We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Today, I talk with Nathan Beckert, co-founder and CEO of Foundersuite, as well as a podcaster over at How I Raised It, which I had the honor of being on, episode five to be exact. We talk about the fundraising process and why he feels it's just like any other B2B sales process that needs to be nurtured. His background in investment banking is what led him to build products around how to help founders raise money. Raising money is all about building and cultivating relationships with investors. It's a lot about nurturing and letting investors know what you're up to, even when you're not raising money. When you are raising money, then things switch to a more traditional sales process of trying to close the deal with a little bit of FOMO. It really is about the process you use. We talk about how to nurture leads and the power of a respectful cold email to get you on an investor's radar. For Nathan, it's all about communications, consistency, and being helpful. Now, let's get better together. Nathan Beckard, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. You know, um, we were talking the other day, I think maybe it was in the forums or whatever, since we, you know, we know each other from Founders Network. And uh, I was actually, I think, guest number five on your podcast. So and now you're at over 150. Goes around, goes around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for, right? No, I mean, I, I'm just so curious, you know, about that whole journey and how that evolved and what you feel about it. But, you know, kind of before we talk about that, 
Why don't you kind of give us a little bit of a background on what you do, how you've come to what you do, and, and sort of a little bit of your entrepreneur journey? Yeah, my pleasure. So I am the founder and CEO of foundersuite.com, which is a software platform to help startups raise capital. And it's basically an uh, investor database to build a target list of investors. We have a CRM to manage your investor pipeline. We have investor update tools to do ongoing communications with prospective or you know existing stakeholders, pitch deck hosting, and uh, some other tools really all centered around the goal of raising capital and managing investor relations. Um, we've been at it for, it feels like forever. Um, 2015 is when we incorporated, we launched the platform in its current form in 2016. Uh, it was even gestating a, a little while before that. So we've been around, you know, four to six years, depending on when you start the clock. Um, and before before doing this, I, I spent about 12 years working directly with startups as a consultant, helping them raise capital, uh, kind of as fractional CFO or advisor, and worked with a couple hundred companies on their fundraises. So really, the journey was pretty straightforward. I got out of college. I went to work in investment banking, working with startups, raising money, spent some time during the dot-com bubble doing that, <laughs> which was crazy, and then, and then just did it as as a consultant and then decided... Let's build products for this. We can do this better with our own dedicated CRM and, and tools. So that's kind of what led us to today. Wow. Wow. I mean, I remember like when we were raising money for Lab Sensor, we may have looked at your tool. I don't I don't remember. It, it was like 2014, so probably not. Or maybe 20. Well, we had raised money all <laughs> 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do know that the huge pain, and it is a pain, and people don't understand this, but that have never tried to raise money before. Everyone's like, oh, 14, you know, slides in a PowerPoint, and here's 5 million bucks. They think that it's that easy and that it's all this just like, oh, you just who you know and whatever. But it's a huge process. And I think the best blog post I've ever read about it was Elizabeth Yin, who's now runs the Hustle Fund, that uh, fundraising is like a B2B sales pipeline. You just have to grunt it out. I mean, it's literally like you're doing a sales process. H have you found that while running running the company? A hundred percent, yes. In fact, <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I do a, a webinar and, and talks at different accelerators giving one tomorrow at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. And that's how I start off this talk. It's like fundraising is just another sales process. We can, and I even say it's a B2B sales process and we can break it into its step-by-step -step components. Think of it like a funnel. You're building a funnel. Cool. Uh, qualifying that list. Cool. You know, kind of working the funnel. So a hundred percent agree with that. Yep. Yeah. And you're, and you're doing a Nashville, oh, cool. Nashville like accelerator or something. Yeah, we, we we work with startups directly, but we also work with a lot of accelerators because, you know, why do most startups go into accelerators? Because they're aiming to raise money. So we yep. partner with a lot of accelerators all over the country, even all over the world. And um, I'm a little bit bummed because I actually had a, an amazing, like, 
roadshow scheduled. Yeah. For this whole spring, I was going to be in Nashville. Beautiful. You know, Nashville's beautiful. Oh, I, I've never been. I've oh, never been. oh, yeah, for sure. There, there, yeah, I, I, the reason I, I spring it up is I go there a lot for the Story Grid events, which I'm a okay. certified Story Grid editor. I'm basically a massive story nerd, and it, it's just this methodology that I got certified in. And the guy, one of the guys that runs it, this guy Tim Grawl, he lives in Nashville, and so they have all the events in Nashville. And, and Nashville's a great place. Um, my uh, my late wife Jane, she uh, she loved going to Nashville, and like the one of the last trips that we actually well no it was the last trip we went on a plane together was to Nashville it was actually to Memphis yeah Memphis and to Nashville, and I mean the coffee scene I'm a big coffee drinker so you know I love barista parlor is like my favorite place in Nashville and she loved this place called uh, uh, Pinewood Social. Which you know, whenever you get the chance to go again, I'll give you the list because I would also, absolutely, I'll hit you up for that. Yeah, for sure. and it, and there's a lot of great food, and there's music, and the towns. You know, it's a it's a nice town. It's for 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 the what they call the uh, buckle of the Bible Belt. <laughs> it's a pretty cool mm-hmm. place. Um, but what was interesting? Oh, so so ha- have you done anything in like Memphis? Have you talked to the like accelerator guys out there? The one that comes to mind is Startco. No, I don't think so. I don't think we have a relationship with them. Okay, I need to introduce you to uh, Ryan over there. And the reason why I know about that is that uh, one of the players I work for, uh, Dontari Poe, does does an entrepreneur camp uh, with the University of Memphis there every year. We unfortunately can't do it this year, I don't think. I mean, we'll see. But I don't – we're we're trying to figure out if that's even possible. But – um, they have they have an accelerator as well. It's all about raising money as well, you know. And the other thing that that they do, which is really cool, is they give us a bunch of entrepreneurs to teach the kids how to be founder for a day. And mm-hmm. part of that's like all about how to pitch your company and and literally raise money. <laughs> that's like the thing we do. So that's so fascinating. Yeah. So what what have been some of the insights into that? Like, okay, it's a sales process, which is pretty cool. Um, but what are some of the other things that 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 entrepreneurs should know about fundraising? Oh, there's so much to that. But a couple a couple things, you know, sales process is definitely one of them. And you can break that sales process down into a few elements, right? One is just like in sales, what do you do? You you build a list of qualified leads um, and prospects, right? And that's something you've got to do in fundraising, and it's very time consuming. You know, the startups that raise money spend sometimes even a couple hundred hours researching and building a target list of investors. They put together their dream list of investors. They take the time to really understand these investors, right? Um, and and kind of qualify them and find that, you know, the mutual connection to those target investors or they spend the time to build that mutual connection to the mm-hmm. investors. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. The other kind of insight I'd say is it's really, it's a sales process, but it's also a nurturing, a nurtured sales process where you don't just call up an investor. It, it, let me put, let me back up. You rarely call up or get an intro to an investor and they write a check in, I would say vast majority of cases, investors invest in you after they've gotten to know you over a, fairly yes. prolonged period of time. That's for they sure. 
Mark Schuster had a post. It's investors invest in lines, not dots. Yes. Which is great. And it's all about kind of building, initiating and nurturing and building that relationship over a period of several months, sometimes even a couple of years, which founders sometimes are shocked by that. So. Oh, yeah. It's, whew, yeah, I, I know exactly how that feels. <laughs> so. And you just got to start. I mean, it's and you know, no one's born with an investor network. You've got to build it and cultivate it. And obviously, I have some thoughts on how to do that. And we've got a tool for helping do that. But, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it. It's like building a funnel, nurturing that funnel, and ultimately kind of running a process or sort of a couple of the fundamental things I'm talking about a lot. Yeah, I mean, what, what, so what are what are some of like the daily things that you think? a entrepreneur looking to raise money needs to do? I mean, of course there's, you have your process in, in your kind of funnel, but what, what are some of just like the blue collar tactical stuff? Yeah. So almost divide that question into like pre-funding or prep, prep for funding and in the middle of funding, like when you're actually, yeah. you know, hardcore raising it and, yeah, you can have different arguments about this, but some one school of thought is like you go all in on fundraise for several months, spend you know, treat like a full time job, spend every waking hour working your funnel, and then kind of switch off. In between rounds is when you're like doing the research of fundraising, like identifying those investors, reaching out, nurturing them. I always tell founders start sending you. Know, reach out to them say, Hey, we're not fundraising right now. We're going to be fundraising in October of 2020, whatever. And, uh, but we send a monthly update. May I add you to our distribution list? Can I give you a sneak peek Ooh, of what we're doing? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're, and you know, a lot of investors are driven by fear of missing out. Oh yeah. And it doesn't really cost them anything to say, sure. Add me to your distro list. And so you start to, on a regular religious monthly basis, you send them an update about your business, what's going on, your your met, couple key metrics, progress, highlights, your wins, your milestones you're achieving. And by the time you're actually ready to raise money in October, November, whatever, you've built that line, you've built that relationship, that credibility. So, you know, it's not necessarily a day-to-day thing, but kind of a monthly thing of, um, well, it is a day-to-day but, because you're always wanting to add to your distribution list, right? If you, right. If you can build a list of 100 really well-qualified investors and start reaching out to them and send a monthly update six to eight months advance, you're golden. Like, yeah. You've really done your work. Totally. No, no. I mean, same with any kind of B2B funnel, I think. I guess it's just a little bit weirder because you're like, can I have some money? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can you invest in me? Well, well that's when you switch. Then go to the other you know you flip the switch on you're like all right we are kicking off our official fundraise october 15th whatever um like now we're in fundraising mode right now you you switch like hey thanks so much for looking at my updates like can we set up an actual zoom call or face-to-face hopefully yeah uh, and talk about this we're, we're fundraising now we're running a pretty tight process you know i'm looking to close this out by uh early december um and you go into sales mode. that's when you go into sales mode right so so it's sort of like the cultivation of the pipeline, the kind of the no like and trust or no one like kind of on the radar or just, yeah. you know, like kind of like what a, 
<clears throat> what an inbound SEO type campaign <laughs> that I that I sometimes sure. try to do for for folks. Uh, and then it's sort of like, okay, now it's we're raising. It's like two different mindsets. Interesting, interesting. And so, so now, ha- it's, now it's time to get you to. Now it's time to drive you to kind of a yes or no decision. Right. right. And I don't want to make it sound so transactional because it is a relationship. But your your ultimate goal is if you are this investor I've been cultivating for six months. Now, now my job switches to like getting you to either say yes or to to say no thanks. Right. Right. Get, getting to the yes. <laughs> getting to the yes. Hopefully the yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fingers crossed. Uh, okay. Wow. Because, you know, it, it's such a nebulous thing if you think about fundraising and, you know, how lots, I mean, it's just, I personally am not a fan of it. Never have been a fan. I've had to raise <laughs> no money. <one> yeah, no <laughs> one is. Yeah, exactly. I've had to raise money. Uh, I've ha- helped others raise money, you know, as an advisor or mentor. And I've always seen kind of this consistent stress about, you know, how do I, you know, sometimes people get this massive list of in- investors and they'll be like, oh, I'll just email them all, I'll cold call them. And that just never works. So full stop. Kind of like if you ever bought an email marketing list and tried to get people to buy your product, same thing, like because they don't know you. Um and I think I think the whole relationship thing is a really powerful thing, and you know what I know Kevin tries to do within Founders Network, and the reason we're all in Founders Network, other than you know mentoring each other, is to build those relationships uh, so that you know we can help each other out. But I mean, it's networking, and a lot of people are a little funny about it, I guess, or they don't like it, or if they're like more introverted, like me, who has to like put out there in the world that I am going to interview 194 people for, for my podcast, you know, for everyone in San Francisco founders network. That's, you know, my, my goal, as we talked about, uh, what are some of the things that you found that work for the networking, uh, aspect of it? And, and, and also, you know, how, how do you approach that? On the, on the networking side, like the nurturing side, you mean? Yeah. On the nurturing side. Yeah, there's, couple of approaches there. One is, and like I mentioned, uh, believe it or not, like a cold email, but prior to fundraising can actually be effective. Like I just described, hey, we're not raising now, but I'd love to add you to our list. That's a very casual, low involvement uh, approach. I'd say, so that's, that's, and I recommend that. I don't recommend you cold email investors when you're actually trying to fundraise. Yeah. But cold emailing them, kind of teeing up a future round is okay. Um, obviously, if you have a mutual connection, then you might say, hey, can you connect me to, to uh, Kevin, you know, VC Kevin, uh, very squarely in our sweet spot. I'd love to just kind of, bounce a few ideas around them. Kind of the seeking advice thing where you ask for advice, right? Yes. Um, yes. And it's, it's not, you're not trying to manipulate. I mean, it's, you're, you're ultimately wanting to fundraise from them, but you are legitimately, you know, going after advice. And yeah. Yeah. A good well, way in the door. That's, that's the whole saying, right? The ask for advice, get money, ask for money, get advice. <laughs> well, and sometimes it does happen where you legitimately want to get their, yeah. their brain about it. And they're like, actually like your idea yeah you know could we preemptively fund this like it does happen yeah so uh you know that's another way in um 
And then just kind of just casual. I mean, there are a lot of other ways like people will engage on Twitter with investors or uh, when conferences happen, obviously, you know, sometimes there's opportunities to do like speed dating at I've done that at South by Southwest and other conferences where you kind of get to casually know investors. Um, yeah. I mean, those are a few, few different avenues. Yeah. I mean, those, those I've, I've done those as well. And, and I think it's all about that relationship and that relationship is fostered over time. And I think the other thing that I found is being useful. Um, so a lot of times, what I'll do is I'll forward on deals that I think are interesting to, sure. to, to investors because they're one, they're always looking for good deal flow and, and you, you talk with them almost to a person like, yeah, there's not, there's, there's not a lot of good deal flow. <laughs> You're like, well, it's everywhere, but they have different ideas of good. And so being useful has always been a good one. And I think that's great. Being useful, paying it forward, Super good advice. Yes. Yeah. Similar to what we do in, in Founders Network, right? With with peer mentoring is, I think, one of those things where if you're just of a giving nature, things tend to come back around. At least that's been my experience. And uh, and and yeah, I think it's just super interesting that people have this. You know, they sort of put investors on a different plane, right? Like, oh, you have the money, you have the gold. He who has the gold has the power or she has the gold has power mm -hmm. or whatever your pronoun may be. <laughs> but, um, but, but what's interesting is that really they're running a business too. And I've found that if you can kind of think of it that way, as opposed to, you know, what value are you giving them as well? Because, you know, ultimately they're making bets and they want to bet on you. And that's great. If they don't want to bet on you, oh, nothing personal. Let's just move on and figure something else out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so switching it up a little bit. What what are some of the kind of habits that you have that that you do on a daily basis to sort of keep you motivated and and you know a, you know aligned and on track or hitting goals? I mean, you know, it, as startup folk we have a lot of kind of life hacks so i'm just curious so, so what are some of the ones that, that work for you oh that's a good question um you know i don't know if this is exactly a hack but i in contrast to the first couple years of running front suite where i was on the clock at 6 30 in the morning and getting off the clock at midnight i don't work as hard <laughs> okay funny but um and now even more so with shelter in place work from home and homeschooling i've got two young kids oh wow first to homeschool so i've got a the reason i have to end the call with you at about 12 50 is i've got to go home relieve my wife at 1 p.m and start finishing or finish up the homeschooling so oh how old are um, your kids Six and nine. So Six and nine. Wow. Wish I can still do the math, you know. Well, there's a lot of people that are having a, a real challenge with this homeschool distance learning thing. My uh, my my future stepdaughter is eleven, almost eleven, and she's in a fifth grade. And so, yeah, my fiance Minerva is like. Wow, how to you know? I mean, I help out where I can, but boy, is it it's a it's crazy. 
it's it is crazy it's so much more respect for teachers not that i i had a lot anyway but you know like more respect for teachers and what, what they do um, yeah but where i was going with that is kind of just like reducing the hours i find i'm more productive right you're if you stretch out and you're literally working 14 hours a day every day the burnout increases if i'm if i'm really more working you know four or five hours in the beginning of the day and maybe another three towards the end of the day, I can sustain that pace forever, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. actually not working as much has been, I think, a, a, a hack that serves me over the long run. I've heard that. I mean, that's what I do. Uh, I used to yeah. be the same ilk <laughs> when I was younger. It's always happens to be when you're younger, you're trying to prove yourself, you know, got a chip on my shoulder, as someone said before. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I'm going to rule the world. And it's, it, it is, it is interesting how someone said, who was it? Someone was saying that if you've, oh, no, it was Kevin. It was Kevin. He said, if you've got 60 or 80 hours to fill, you will fill them. If you yeah. limit them, you will figure out what's important and not everything is important. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, not everything's important. Um, how, how do you, how do you prioritize what's important? I'm kind of old school in this. I've got a, like right in front of me is a yellow pad where every day I just list out kind of all the stuff that is, uh, that I need to do and then I get as much done as possible. And I just pick the hardest ones first and most impactful ones first, you know, what's going to drive uh, either marketing growth or, you know, customer happiness and just kind of bang through them. And kind of on the previous point, like if I have 10 things on the list, I usually get through about seven mm. and, and we just move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the the old fool's cap legal pad, or is it just a normal yellow pad? It's just the the old legal pad. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, my wife tutors, and so she's got stacks of these. So I just grab a few, and you know, and then just if I didn't don't get some really important things done, uh, I just roll it over to the next page the next day and, and go again. So I'm sure there are apps that do this much oh, better. But I'm sure there is. I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not really into the apps for productivity or the apps for taking like your little to-do list. I mean, you know, everyone's working in Trello and all these, you know, things and it just like inundates me. I get, I actually get a headache when I see all this stuff coming in, but I'm with you. I like the old school, uh, old school notepad. The, the, the one I just bought was one called thinkers notepad and it, it has an app that you could use with it, but I am not going to do that probably. So um, it's just interesting how people, you know, they're, they're how to keep kind of focused. And, and, and do you find that the, the actual tactical writing of the things down helps? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it does. It, it probably, you know, I've, I've heard that writing things down just like in school actually helps with retention and, probably plants it in your brain a little bit more, um, which I think I'm a big believer in letting your subconscious kind of figure things out and solve those problems, right? You load a couple issues or problems into your subconscious and let, let it do its job while you're doing the more mundane tasks. So I think writing it down might help with that perhaps. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 
I think it's a little bit of both, but I found, I mean, <laughs> sometimes it would be, people would look at me and I'd be like at a meeting and I'd be doodling. Do, do you doodle? A little bit, yeah. On this same yellow pen. <laughs> so is it like a blue or a black pen? <laughs> What's the color contrast? Black. Black. Black and yellow. Okay, cool. Black cool. Yellow. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I would be at a meeting and de doodling and people think I wasn't paying attention, but really I was trying to exercise my brain to retain the mostly corporate drivel coming out of people's mouths. I mean, it's just insane sometimes how people just talk and talk and talk and talk and don't say much. So are are you what are you seeing when it comes to the uh you know, in your business and how it's being impacted by the COVID stuff? I mean you know, again, we're shelter in place when we're recording this. Are, are you? What are you seeing? How are people kind of that are trying to raise money? My guess is it's probably pretty hard. You know, it's interesting. It, it's the I was describing this to someone yesterday. The roller coaster, the sine waves. The, the roller coaster has been higher highs and lower lows over the past couple of weeks. Where, and what I mean by that is like. Two Mondays, two different Mondays, I remember, like, the computer and just getting email after email from customers churning or canceling or saying we're out of out of business, we're, our revenue went to zero, we're shutting off. I'm like, oh, boy, this is just, you know, this is wow. what I'm, I'm going to be dealing with for the next couple of months, just, like, That's losing tough. customers left and right. But then a, a couple other days, we'll get, like, five or six new Subscribers pay for sign up, initiating their fundraising campaigns. So it's been like this kind of wild roller coaster. Um, and if you average them out, it's still kind of just a nice, little, slow and steady growth. If you sort of <laughs> yeah. average out those crazy highs and lows, um, I think, believe it or not, a lot of startups are still uh, out there trying to raise money. I just had a, a maybe this is a Exception just had a white combinator startup subscribe like half an hour ago. They just closed. I was emailing back and forth with the founder. They just closed their lead uh, virtually over Zoom calls. Have you never? That's unheard of. Yeah, that that's unheard of. Yeah. Person, um, which I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Great white combinator company. That's that's got a lot going for it. But yeah. like, still, it was pretty impressive. You know. I, I want to learn more about that. Hopefully I'll get them on, on our podcast. Yeah. Or maybe you'll get them on a zoom call. <laughs> get them on a zoom call. That's right. But you know, so like, startups are still raising money and I think it is going to be tougher and, and slow, slower, but um, you know, founders are, are tough. <laughs> so. Certainly, certainly the case. I mean, I, 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 I you know, I, I do, you know, PR and marketing now, you know, my late wife's company, JSY PR and marketing, and I've, no one's canceled yet, <laughs> which is good. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone needs communications, especially crisis communications in a time like this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are trying to build because they see huge demand, uh, at least pent up demand. Uh, but I'm also getting a lot of inbound, a lot of people like, Hey, can you help this? Can you do that? I mean, just even through Founders Network, even through my own network, just this kind of constant drumbeat that hasn't really let up for the last, you know, six six weeks or something. Yeah. 
And and it's interesting, it all sort of centers around how to get the word out and communicate the vision, the story, how do we get in the press? How do we, you know, or they're doing COVID-19 stuff and they want more, you know, there's lots and lots of stuff like that. Um, so h- how do you think a startup now that's not doing any COVID-19 or, you know, pandemic, whatever, what stories do they need to tell now that, that in your opinion, to get past all the noise? Because I mean, it dominates the news. It's unfortunate. I'm actually getting fatigued by it. I don't know if you are too. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are. Um, I think that's why a lot of people are starting to protest and be like, Hey, you know, let us out of the house or whatever. Um, and you know, so what do you, what are your thoughts on what's the narrative you think that, that, that founders now have to tell? Yeah, it's, I mean, for some businesses, it's just, if you're in travel or, you know, hospitality or conference. <laughs> if you're in conference space, yeah. Ooh. Conference space. I mean, I don't think you try it. Yeah. I don't think you try to go tell a narrative. You might still do what I described earlier of, you know, spending the time researching a list of investors and initiating that update. And it's going to be, you know, like, just, let's just take an example. Let's say you make conference software and, um, you know, you identify 50 investors that reach it out into that space and you say, hey, we're not raising money right now. This is a terrible time, as we all know, <laughs> but let me add you to our update. I mean, your your first six updates are probably going to be fairly negative to those, you know, those initials, like our revenues flat we've had to let go two more people oh whatever. my god yeah it's going to be brutal right but brutal hopefully over some period of time six months from now four months from now eight months from now i don't know what it is those updates start to improve and perk up right and and so your your story gets a little brighter and brighter over time after going through a dark so i don't think you try and spin this in a positive way I think oh no kind of realize oh no <laughs> Yeah. Not at all. Our revenue went from, and I'm using an example of travel. Our revenue went from 50000 a month to 5000 a month in April. And, you know, hopefully that starts to crop or rise again in July, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, some of the, it's not like there will never be another successful travel startup or one that gets funded. It's just a matter of like timing and kind of managing the the story until then, until that time. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good, good point. I mean, you know, as part of crisis communications, which, which is something, again, people have been asking me more and more about, um, the, the, the thing I always tell people and, and, and actually, you know, what's really interesting about your idea about even getting them an update, even if it's bad news, what I've found is that if you're transparent with this sort of thing and how things are going with you, chances are someone may be like, hey, I know someone that can maybe help you. It may not yeah. be the investor, right? I mean, you've probably seen this too, where the overwhelming majority of people actually want to help, now, especially now. And some of them are like, I don't know what to do. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember my like local barber as an example. Um, you know, we're friends and I'm like, Hey, what you do? And he's like, Oh, I got to close the shop. And, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with the employees. I have to lay them off because they can get unemployment. And then one of his employees started a fund for him. Like, Hey, you know, I know you're going to hurt and stuff. And he was like a really, a really sweet way to go. And then I texted him one day. I said, Hey, can I buy gift certificates from you? <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, Oh, well, let me look up like a startup that does that and literally send it to him. And within a couple of days, he set it up and I could go buy a gift certificate, right, for future haircuts or whatever. And, mm. you know, Sam Harris from the from the Waking Up podcast or whatever, or Making Sense podcast now, he he, he says he does virtual haircuts because he can afford it, right? He's like, yeah, I just mm. pay my the person that cuts my hair like they're cutting my hair, <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's a virtual haircut, right? Because I can afford it and, you know, the money was going to be gone anyway, you know, which is an interesting thing. But uh, but I like your idea of this, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That that narrative, like, and, and again, I and when crisis communications, getting back to that, you always the problem's the problem. You never make it personal, and you have to take it to such a high level of abstraction, and really be fact driven, and be no, you know, no cover up and any of that. I mean, to to an, to a to the power of ten, because. The dynamics of a situation like this change so fast that you can't, you know, you can't hide anything. Um, and I, I wonder if what you know what you guys are doing. Um, are you are you trying to push more um, benefits of your communications platform as opposed to the fundraising, or, or how, like how do you kind of sell all this? Because I don't know. I mean, is it a hard sell now? It is a hard sell. It's a hard sell even in the best of times because founders are just bad about doing their communications. You yeah. Know I mean? yes. And I think it's your natural inclination when things are tough to climb up and and just dig your head in the sand. Um, it is a hard sell. I, I'm, I'm pushing our founders to do this. I did a webinar for 500 Startups recently where I'm kind of – eating the table, pounding the table to do this. Um, so it's just, it's, it's education. It's an educational process and kind of touting the benefits and how to do it. Right. Sometimes founders just don't really know how, you know, how to communicate this stuff, what they should be talking about, how to talk about it. So we're creating some content around that, but it, it's a challenge. It's hard. Mm, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Do you guys on the platform have like templates and everything like that to make it easier? Or is it more like, here's your list, you know, <laughs> write your own thing? Yeah, we have a, we have a, a built in template um, that's fairly uh, generic, I guess, not for necessarily any particular market environment or anything like that. Um, uh, we have a template and then just content. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you don't, it, it's interesting. You do see a lot of like now, I mean, and again, your your sinusoidal wave, the, the peaks and the valleys are just really huge now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's actually, again, you sort of get, it's like a whipsaw and you get really fatigued by it. In fact, right now I'm really fatigued by it. Um, do, do venture capitalists and investors reach out to you? to sort of say what they want to see or, you know, get access to your database? I mean, how, how does it, I, I can see how the founder side works, 
but do investors want to be like on the platform too or is it kind of like a linkedin of investors i mean i know what's the what's the investor side of the of the business look like it's it's not so much we're not you know what you're describing is kind of getting closer to like a crowdfunding platform um right we're not really making the matches um investors do reach out and say i want to be in your database so so they can be found because mm-hmm. right? that's kind of step one for the founders is to research and build a target list so obviously investors want to be found and get added to the target list you know making them the match is a tricky tricky thing i mean crowdfunding there are successful crowdfunding sites which kind of do that although the reality of most crowdfunding sites are you know you're often bringing your own yeah. investors to it yeah yeah it's not really like it's i challenge anyone to prove me wrong but there's really no site that has done a good job of founders getting on here and they're making matches to investors angel has kind of did that in their early days They've sort of shifted focus to almost being a back office for small venture funds now. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and there's just this adverse selection process with that, like where investors are already getting plenty of deals, so they don't need to come to a, a site like that. So we haven't pursued that model because it's very, very hard to get that to work. Um, you know, we're really just more focused on like how do we help founders. Uh, do this right do the fundraising right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> most efficiently yeah no no that's that's a huge and valuable service and yeah i mean th- there's a there's a guy i know his name's nathan rose he wrote a book called equity crowdfunding back in 2017 i think mm-hmm. was the first time i spoke with him he's been on the podcast and he was talking about his new book rewards crowdfunding which basically is like you know kickstarter and indiegogo um, and his uh, his math, which is general, and you know, I'm sure I, I'll screw it up, but uh, when it came to the the equity crowdfunding kind of platforms, you know, he 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 was. I think he said it was something like you needed 33 to 50 percent of the raise already kind of confirmed yeah. in order to build momentum. It's a little bit less on the rewards crowdfunding sites, but it's still a third. Like if you want to raise 30 grand, you need to have 10 grand like locked in was, was sort of the rough numbers. Again, this is just a heuristic who knows it could go up or down. Depends on the product too. He had a lot of good data on what products are more successful on rewards crowdfunding as, as, and also I think in equity crowdfunding, but I don't remember, but the, I mean, the trick, it's just a huge problem because you're trying to make <laughs> the efficiency of a market that's really not that efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not right. I mean, it's it, it's the ultimate B two B sale. And how how do you you know how do you take a founder and say like yeah go on our platform, fill out these forms and hit go, and then yeah we'll guarantee that we know X amount of people that'll fund you unless there's those X amount of people that are like. If you see a deal that looks like this, 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 and this, which I know they do because some of these platforms do that, but it's still ultimately up to the person. It's not like, well, I mean, it's sort of like a sales thing, but it's at a different level. Um, you're you're probably wise not to pursue that. It, yeah, I, it's just a 
there's a lot of hair, <laughs> a hair on that deal, on that type of deal. And, and uh, we have some ideas on how to kind of even apply like marketing automation to improve fundraising mm-hmm. for founders because it's still just a big pain in the ass. The, the promise, I almost don't want to say the false promise of a lot of equity crowdfunding, it's not always false promise, but sometimes the false promise is, like you said, you come on here, you post up a video, you put up a nice splashy landing page and investors are going to flock to you. That's just not how it works. Even on the best sites, you have to, like you said, bring a third of the deal yourself to, to even get started. And, you know, I, we just did a podcast with um, a, a company and released it yesterday and listening to what, and it was a, a unaccredited, non-accredited uh, crowdfunding platform she did, but the level of stuff they had to do to drive all these $200 checks to their crowdfunding site. I mean, they were spending a thousand dollars a day on Facebook ads driving traffic to their crowdfunding site. They were, you know, getting on other podcasts and blogs and stuff, driving those eyeballs. Like it was serious hustle yeah. to drive people. Right. So it's not really any easier than fundraising from angels and VCs. <laughs> and that's, no. that's the myth. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a super myth. I mean, we, we, we did the same thing with Lap Sensor. We tried to do it and it, we weren't successful. Which Par- you- oh, I don't remember. They were out in New York. They were really no. It, it was nothing to do with them. They were really good, and it was part of the the Jobs Act, and we had to do all the paperwork. And, and they were they were they did a good job. I mean, in terms of doing all the the stuff we had to do, um, but it just it really came down to, and I think you hit on it first when we first started talking about relationships and building that list of people that know and like you. I mean. It it all boiled down to that because it it was literally it's a it's a like almost like a hyper B two B sales. Well, not that's not true. Well, I mean, it's a hard sell for a consumer to be like, oh, I get equity. Well, what do I get? Do I get a product? Do I get a service? Do I get a book or whatever? It, yeah. You know, and it's like okay, we need to like do an it's an educational process, but still, I mean, wow, it 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 was, I mean, it was. I'm glad we did it. We didn't hit the goal. Uh, they were very upfront about the cost and they were very upfront about this is what you need to do because this is what's been successful. And same yeah. thing. Like you got to bring some investors and it just, it hasn't been quite figured out yet. I'm glad that those platforms exist. I'm glad. I think Jason Calacanis has one called the syndicate as well, which is a, it's mm-hmm. a syndicate. It's like an angels list competitor or or maybe not, I don't know. Anyway, but you know, he's a big advocate as well for like, hey, you know, anyone should be able to invest in startups, of yeah. course, responsibly. And, you know, these 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 are trying to do that, but yeah, it it just didn't didn't it didn't get it didn't get there. So there's no free lunch, there's no shortcuts, you know. It's like <laughs> No, there's not. Um, yeah. It, you gotta put in the work no matter what. Totally. Really, really, that's just, that's, you know, Nathan, that's a great place to end because put the work in and, you know, you'll, if it's going to go, it's going to go. So yeah, appreciate you being on the podcast. No, my pleasure. This is fun, fun to catch up and uh, hopefully we'll see you at a Founders Network face-to-face in real life, as Kevin puts it, IRL before too long. Oh, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Stay safe and we'll be in touch.
All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting thedailymba.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest that you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about in this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.